The Google Podcast app is going away in April. Right now, I want you to take a look at the podcast app you're using right now. Maybe it's time for a new one. Check out podcastapps.com and try a new one for free right now. That's podcastapps.com. I'm Andrea Askowitz. I'm Zarina Fry. I'm Allison Langer. And this is Writing Class Radio. You'll hear true personal stories and learn how to write your own stories. Together, we produce this podcast, which is equal parts heart and art. By heart, we mean the truth in a story. And by art, we mean the craft of writing. No matter what's going on in our lives, writing class is where we tell the truth. It's where we work out our shit. Shit. There's no place in the world like writing class. And we want to bring you in. Today, Zarina Fry will be hosting with us again. Mm, mm. <laughs> Zarina is a poet, performer, essayist, SEO content creator, MFA candidate at Converse University. And most importantly, she facilitates our first draft happy hour classes on Wednesday night from 6 to 7 p.m. Zarina, thanks for being here. Thank you for inviting me back. Well, I do want to say thank you guys for jumping in at the last minute to be here for this episode. Today, the day that we're recording, is a really sad day for America. Today, the Supreme Court overruled Roe v. Wade. And I want to say for our listeners what that means exactly. It doesn't really mean that abortion is totally illegal, although it could mean that because now each state has the right to restrict abortion down to to complete illegality. What the ruling does do is it takes away a constitutional right to abortion. And the reason why we're talking about abortion at all on this episode right now is because I wrote a story for NBC News and the story calls for men's abortion stories. And abortion access, safe legal abortions benefit men enormously. And since the beginning of the reproductive rights movement, we've let men off the hook. Women have called it a women's issue, but it is everyone's issue. Abortion is a man's issue. It's a woman's issue. I really feel like we need a sea change. We need men to step up and tell their abortion stories. And I will put it this way, and this is maybe a radical thing to say, but why do gay people, me included, have the legal right to get married. Because men got involved. Because men are gay. Because, yes, yes. Because men are gay. And until men step up and admit that they too need abortion access, abortion won't be legal or won't be fully legal. It's time for men to step up. So we are sharing this story for two reasons. One It's a great example of how to get published. If you have an experience and a unique take on something that's happening now, editors want that story. And two, the story you're about to hear is actually about the importance of telling your stories. And we are calling on men to tell theirs. So I worked on this story that was published in NBC News with a very good friend and activist, Ida DuPont. And the two of us worked on this story together. And we um, went back and forth for two weeks. We knew the Supreme Court was about to rule. 
to overturn Roe v. Wade because the Supreme Court had this leak. And so since the leak until today, Eden and I worked on this story. We got it accepted by NBC News. The problem was the editors at NBC News didn't like a co-authorship on an op-ed piece because it was awkward. It really was. It was like it was both of our stories, but there's a moment in the story that's truly Eda's. But because I spent, as you might guess, some hours working on this story. I mean, literally, I probably worked on it full time for two weeks. Oh, I know. I know. Every phone call was like, shh, I'm busy. The editor is awesome. Her name is Jody Ann Williams. She was so thorough, so precise. So I was doing all this research to like get the facts exactly right. I consulted lawyers who helped me with the language. So for the purposes of our podcast, Ida is going to read the story that we wrote together. We made slight adjustments to it because it's coming 100% from Ida's point of view. Back with Ida DuPont's story after the break. Hey, writers. For the last 45 years, I've been going to tennis clinics to practice forehands, backhands, serves. What does this have to do with writing? Well, practice, I've learned in the last 45 years, is what it takes to get good at anything. And that's why Writing Class Radio hosts a tips clinic, a writing tips clinic. We do this every second Saturday so that we can all practice going to scene, writing like we speak, omitting needless words, everything that it takes to become great or at least better at writing. So join us every second Saturday from 12 noon to 1 Easter time on Zoom. To join, go to writingclassradio.com and click the link for the tips clinic. It's $10 and believe me, it's a lot cheaper than a tennis clinic. See you there. Hey, this is Allison, host of Writing Class Radio. I know there are many of you out there who don't have access to a writing group or someone to look over your essay or manuscript. If that's the case, I can help. I'm available to help you whip your essay into shape. I'll read through your draft, offer suggestions, line edits, and I'll spend time with you brainstorming for the best possible ending. But be prepared to answer the question, what is this story about? Because if you don't know, nobody knows. You know, sometimes it takes more than a bath or a long walk to figure this out. It takes a brutal editor who will tell you what works, what needs more explaining, and what needs to go. For more information, visit writingclassradio.com. Then email allison at writingclassradio.com. Use the code WCR and your first 15 minutes is free. We're back. This is Allison Langer, and you're listening to Writing Class Radio. Up next is Ida DuPont reading Andrea and Ida's story, Men Should Fear the Fall of Roe as Much as Women. The Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade on Friday morning, turning the legality of abortion rights over to the states to decide. We failed to keep abortion a constitutional right because we've made abortion a woman's issue when it's everyone's issue. It's time for pro-choice advocates to change our strategy. I was five in 1973 when the Supreme Court passed Roe, but the decision was never a complete safeguard for women. 
I grew up watching as state and federal laws restricted access, especially for poor women and women of color. In high school, my mom took me to Washington to the March for Women's Lives. We chanted, keep your laws off my body. This was a woman's issue, we thought. And how could it not be? After all, pregnancy was happening to our bodies. The year before I graduated from college in 1990, the Supreme Court ruled in Webster v. Reproductive Health Services that certain state abortion restrictions were not unconstitutional. As I was becoming an adult, taking control of my life, women's autonomy was being taken away, state by state. I was pissed. No state lawmaker would tell me what I could do with my body. I took this conviction to the extreme, and with Andrea Askowitz, we organized the Reproductive Freedom Ride. In the summer of 1991, we bicycled across the country with a band of activists demanding reproductive justice, including access to safe legal abortion. We used ourselves, our physical power, as a manifestation of our argument. We saw up close the real-life consequences of restrictions on abortion. In Indiana, we met the parents of Becky Bell, a 17-year-old who died because of a state-enacted parental consent law. Bell felt like she couldn't tell her religious parents that she was pregnant, so she got an abortion on her own, developed an infection, and died. In Fargo, North Dakota, we met Dr. Miriam McCreary, who flew in from Minnesota once a week to provide abortions in North Dakota's only clinic. She flew around the country providing abortions into her 70s. Today, parental consent or notification laws are still on the books in Indiana and 36 other states. Doctors have stepped in for McCreary, but there's still only one abortion clinic in North Dakota. The next closest clinic is in Minnesota, 225 miles away. We biked, marched, and held news conferences. Our message was, we're biking 4,000 miles to show the world that we can and will control our bodies. We told men to back off, that this was our fight. But by telling men to shut up, we made a grave error. Women barely held political power, and we let men off the hook. Today, women still don't hold enough political power. They make up about 51% of the population, but just 27% of U.S. Congress and 31% of state legislatures. We're still marching. We're still chanting. Bands off our bodies. Couching this issue as ours alone. We've used the same argument for 50 years. But for everyone seeking an abortion, there's a man responsible for that unwanted pregnancy. We need them in this fight. In early May, when a draft of the Supreme Court's decision on Roe was leaked, I was talking to Andrea, one of my fellow reproductive freedom riders. I was teaching a class on sexuality and reproductive justice, and of course, the possibility of Roe becoming overturned came up. I faced my class and I said, listen, I'm not supposed to say this. And then I got nervous. A feeling of shame swept over me because I thought my students would think I had done something terrible, though I didn't think I had. After giving some statistics on how many women will have an abortion in their lifetime, at least one in four, according to the Guttmacher Institute, I talked about something else, 
I stalled. Then I said it. I had a safe legal abortion. I hope you continue to have that right. The class got quiet. I felt bold because I'd said something hard to say out loud. Andrea asked me why I decided to share my story. I said, because stories help people understand each other. Stories can lead to political change. As the two of us talked, we got enraged. I Googled men's abortion stories, and it was auto-corrected to women's abortion stories. We screamed over the phone like we were at a rally again. We've never heard a man stand up at a pro-choice rally and say, I'm so glad abortion is legal because I didn't want to be a father. Men have never had to admit how relieved they felt once an abortion was over. They don't have to worry about being judged as irresponsible, as a whore or a murderer. Women are constantly telling our stories, making ourselves vulnerable, and we should. We need to humanize the experience and let lawmakers, the public, know that abortion affects everyone. Men should share their stories for the same reasons. Did birth control fail you? Did you refuse to wear a condom? Did the baby you and your partner were expecting get diagnosed as non-viable? Did you have other plans besides fatherhood when you got her pregnant? How has abortion helped you? I'm talking about men who claim to care about women, men who claim to want to keep abortion safe and legal, and men who benefit from abortion. We rarely hear these stories, but I know they're there. Andrea and I created a hashtag to help men tell their stories. Hashtag men's abortion stories. For real change to occur, men need to tell their stories publicly. Men also need to tell these stories to each other. Wherever men talk, in locker rooms, bedrooms, boardrooms, dining rooms, congressional hearing rooms, they need to tell the truth. My partner had a safe legal abortion. I hope we continue to have that right. That really is a great story. It's very well written. I was drawn in the entire time. How many words was that? It's like a, it's about a thousand. It's pretty tight. Yeah, it's super tight. I, I was trying to like, as I was listening, I was thinking, well, I could go on and on about the content, but to discuss the writing or the structure or, or how it was written or why it was written, I'm trying to think of like what would be most helpful to our listeners I think this is a pretty good opportunity to talk about because there's a lot of writers out there who are always like, well, what do I write about? How do I get published? And and we've talked about this before when there's an issue that comes up that you're really passionate about that you can try to time your writing so that it's pertinent, right? And then it gets picked up. So maybe you want to go into that. Well, when um, Justice Alito's decision was leaked and the world knew that Roe v. Wade was in danger, I called Ida. Ida and I have this experience. Like 30 years ago, we were in this fight. And for the last 30 years, I have witnessed no change or backslide. Like I've seen it not get any better. But in May, I was like, oh my God, this moment is like the worst moment ever for abortion. And because I have that experience and because I'm a writer. I was like, I'm going to write my story. I have something to say about this because I was there. 
I was there in the country, state by state. I knew exactly what you're saying about strategy of getting a story published. Like you have to be someone who has something to say about an issue. And then you have to sort of strike at the moment when that issue is striking. That's why I wrote the story right now. Question, did you did you and Ida coincidentally or when this all came up, maybe it was just in the story that you called her or she called you or, or something like that and, and decided to write it together? Right, because she told me the story about telling her class about her abortion. And then we started to like flip out because no man ever has to do that. And then we were like, fuck, we need to create a hashtag. Was that the first time she told anybody that, like her class or anything? For sure, it's the first time she told her class. You're not supposed to talk to, as a teacher, as a professor, you're not supposed to reveal personal details to your class anyway. Well, yeah, no, you're telling me that and I would go into prison and tell personal details. Exactly. And, and yeah, right. So I get it. But it's. I was wondering how she felt after she shared it with them. Like, what were the reactions? Did it bring them closer? Did people come up and say, oh my God, I've had one too? Like, was there any of that that we know about? I don't think that there was any further conversation, you know, because there really is a, a distinction between like professor and student in a, at a college level. You know, she like stepped over that boundary when she thought maybe she shouldn't, but she did it because she felt like she really had to because of the old slogan, the personal is political. That's why she did it. But is that, could that be dangerous to her job or not so much? They're okay with it. Yeah, that? maybe. Yes. Well, but it's out there now. Are, are we okay doing this? I don't want her to lose her job. Well, she's taking the risk. Okay. Yeah. Because she's showing that it's important to share. Yeah, she is tenured. She is tenured. Oh, okay. So she's pretty tightly. Okay, good. I just, for a second there, I got nervous. Okay. I mean, I think that what happened to her is she got emotionally, like on a personal level, she felt shame. And then she was like, fucking shit. Why? Yeah. Why do women constantly feel ashamed? Okay. Now I have a question for our listeners, for Zarina, for you. Have you ever told a story and had like a hangover the next morning or regret or um, shame in telling a story? Like what's been really hard and how did that help? Because I think a lot of people out there are like, oh my God, I'm never telling anybody this story. But then after they're in class and they realize what gets revealed in a writing class, you start realizing how important it is to tell your truth and all that shame and secrets and everything like that is really unhealthy and that it can be really beneficial and usually is. It brings people to you. It opens up a world. It opens you up. So I was wondering if you guys have felt that we could share that. I have not done that yet. Well, no, that's a lie. I'm sorry. Let's rewind. I published a poem publicly about being sexually abused. And it was how they say it's usually someone you know. And it was um, someone in the circle of our family. And by doing that, by putting my story out there like that, it was as if I put everyone out on Front Street where they had to address and acknowledge that. And I got a lot of blowback from it. From your family or for? Uh, yeah. I mean, not everyone, but I mean, my offender had children and I did not uh, consider them because I just wanted to put my story out. And so it was something that they were processing. They didn't do it in, I mean, they were still 
like teens. So they're still developing, trying to figure themselves out. And now they've gotten this thing dropped on them. It was messy. And I don't regret putting it out there, but I do regret how it broke their hearts. One of those things that uh, writers have to deal with when we put our stories out there. How's it going to impact everyone? And, you know, how much blowback will you get? I thank you for telling that story, Zarina, because I mean, I think it's so important to to tell stories that where you've been hurt, where people have been hurt, where we've been hurt. And it is unfortunate that there were teenagers involved, although maybe maybe we even protected them. You don't know. But I want to go back to the abortion issue because I'm sitting here. I, I think it's a great question. Like, does vulnerability bring people to you? Yes, I think it does. But I also want to question why are we always talking about, and I did it in this story, but why are we always talking about abortion, having abortions as being a shameful thing? I mean, there are so many reasons. And one of them being like, you know what? I just don't want a child that are valid reasons for an abortion. And I've never had an abortion. I'm not saying it's not a hard decision. It is. But shameful, I don't think it is. The way that we've stigmatized it in society, like, you know, and I understand why religious, that religious people really think abortion is murder. And I understand that. But I know that abortion is a necessary medical procedure that women are going to go for forever and have forever, whether or not it's legal. And so it needs to be legal. And we need to be able to talk about abortions without shame, men and women. See, I don't even think that the lawmakers really care whether or not it's a life. I think it's all about control. I mean, if you dig deep into the philosophy of pro-life, like you want life, right? But then we've got wars, right? And there's so many things, the war on drugs. People dying, and we, we care about abortion more than we care about the people that are already here. Like, why do we have guns? It's the same people who are pro-life that are carrying guns. If we care about life, why are we so open to having people shoot people dead? So you brought up another point in your story about the number of women in Congress. What you didn't mention is that it seems very partisan. So you could have a woman who now is a staunch Republican or somebody who is very much pro-life, and that doesn't even count towards that number. So you gave a number, it was like 25%, 22% or it's something. It's about 30%. It's, it's 27 and 31%. But of that percent, we still don't have the full vote. Right. So that is a problem. So when I was getting this as Ida was reading the top is that I was thinking, it's not my problem. That we in society, when we're confronted with an issue that doesn't directly affect us and impact us, it's just not my problem. And I'm guilty of it. You thought that? No, because that is my problem. I mean, it's not my problem right now, but I have a daughter and I have two sons and it could be my problem. I don't know when and if it's going to be my problem. But I think so many people go, oh, an abortion's not my problem. So this is the problem. 
that we have to have people understand that that is our problem. And you know, I always have to bring in criminal justice. It is our problem. So it is a large society problem. And that's why this story is so important because we have to understand that we all have to stand up, including men, especially men. Every issue is related. That's that's what justice is about. And if we don't eradicate sexism or racism, we're never going to have freedom for incarcerated people. All of the issues, queer rights, they're all related. Like you said, the bigger issue, we can, you know, really get into just, you know, dissecting, you know, why um, uh, abortion should be legal. But the, the bigger issue is that it's basically just a civil rights right that has been reversed. And so all Americans need to be very concerned about just being able to do that, to reverse a civil rights law. That's scary. Right. We have to be worried because now we're in the business of reversing civil rights laws. What other civil rights laws have been reversed? Is this the first one? This is the first one that I know about. None. This is the first time a civil right has been taken away. The complicated part is that some people see it as the civil rights of the fetuses being granted. But like Allison said before, like those are people who care more about a batch of cells than a living, breathing woman. There's this meme that I've seen that is um, that goes, I also have a heartbeat. Ah. I love that so much. That just says everything about the sexism of this whole situation. Like, yeah, women have beating hearts too. See, and I I like that part. I like, I'm not sure if this was actually in the story, but what you're saying, that part of you being very vulnerable, saying that we need men and I made a mistake. That part is gold because if we are able to admit where we're wrong, it shows, you know, you kind of showing your hand. And so if I'm able to admit that I'm wrong, then surely you can as well. And then it goes to what was said in the story, we need each other. We so need each other. For a couple of feminists to say that we need men is huge. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's the real story right there. I think it's a a sea change moment. I have been noticing it. A lot of people on social media, there's there's been articles since May that are saying similar things. The New York Times put a call out for men's abortion stories on like May 15th. So, I mean, I'm not the only one who thought this. I'm, I'm one of the first. I mean, but... It really, it's like, it's in the zeitgeist. This is a movement that's, that I hope is happening. And that is what you're saying, Serena. Like, we need each other. We need to share the responsibility and share the vulnerability of abortion. For sure. I like that um, earlier in the story, you know, there's the keep your laws off my body and no state or lawmaker can tell me, what, uh, tell us what to do, tell me what to do with my body. Those are things that we've heard over and over again in marches and it's become kind of numb and it kind of just goes over everyone's head, whatever, almost the same as my body, my choice. Exactly the same. But this, what what you're saying here, it, it offers a fresh perspective and it's kind of the why now it's like the perfect storm of just uh, you yes. and Ida saying this 
right at this critical time in in history. So I um, applaud you both for coming together and and telling your story. Yeah, because stories are what bring us closer together. If I don't know how you feel and you don't know how I feel, how are we ever going to come up with a happy medium, something that works for everyone, if that's possible? That is exactly why Ida told her class that she had an abortion. Those are the exact words she told, she said. I was like, why did you tell your class? Because stories help people understand each other. Stories can lead to political change. I love that. Ida DuPont is an associate professor at Pace University in the sociology department. She researches and teaches about sexuality, social movements, criminology, and reproductive justice. So thank you, Andrea. Thank you, Ida, for sharing your stories. And thank you, Zarina, for coming on our show. You always make it so much more fun. Not that Andrea is not fun, but I just have more fun with you too. Uh, (laughs) It's just nice to have another voice, another opinion. Um, I just, and you're, I just love you. So thank you for joining us. Please share this podcast, even with just one person and share it with hashtag men's abortion stories. Writing Class Radio is produced by me, Allison Langer, Andrea Askwitz, and by Matt Kundal and Evan Serminski at the Sound Off Media Company. Theme music by Courtney Fox. There's more writing class on our website, writingclassradio.com, including essays to study, editing resources, video classes, writing retreats, and live online classes. Join our writing community by following us on Patreon. For $10 a month, Andrea will answer all your publishing questions. For $25 a month, you can join our first draft weekly writers group. You have the option to join my class Tuesday, 12 to 1, or Zarina's class Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m., both Eastern time. Write to a prompt and share what you wrote. If you're looking to take your writing to the next level, for $125 a month, you'll get first draft and second draft. Both Andrea and I teach a second draft class. Mine's on Monday night versus on Thursday. And in second draft, each week, three people bring a second draft for feedback. Join the community that comes together for instruction, an excuse to write, and most importantly, the support from other writers. To learn more, go to patreon.com slash writingclassradio. A new episode will drop every other Wednesday. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours? Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com.